episode of Spawn is brought to you by Hack, the only full-stack, everyday laptop that teaches kids to code by inviting them to Hack. It's safe, ad-free, and virus-resistant, and it comes complete with parental controls as well as hackable games that teach kids how to code. Save $25 on your purchase of an already affordable Hack laptop at hack-computer.com. Make sure you use the code COOLMOM25 at checkout. Save $25 on your purchase of a Hack laptop at hack-computer.com with the code COOLMOM25. Hello and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase, and along with Liz Gumbiner, we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. So Liz is out this week at a fabulous press trip in Punta Cana, but we'll be back next week, I'm sure all tanned and very relaxed. So on today's episode of Spawn, it's just me, but I'm going to be chatting with Jen Schwartz, founder of Motherhood Understood. We're going to be talking about postpartum mental health and what we all can do to help support moms who need it most. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. But first, let me tell you a little bit about Jen. I met Jen at a former cool pick of the week of mine, Camp Powerment. And since then, we've been friends on social media and I've been following her rise. She's really bringing this issue of postpartum mental health to the forefront. She's the founder of Motherhood Understood, which is a platform for the one in seven moms that are affected by maternal mental health issues and the community that she couldn't find while struggling in a dark closet all by herself after the birth of her son. Jen is a speaker, a writer, and influencer whose work and commentary has been featured in Forbes, Romper, Bustle, Healthline, Pop Sugar Moms, all the places that we know and love. And this is big news. Recently, Chrissy Teigen tagged her in an Instagram story. So welcome, Jen. You're famous. (laughs) Thank you. I wouldn't go that far, but thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, you know what? None of us speak other than you have been tagged by Christy Teigen. So in our eyes, (laughs) you have had an awesome brush with fame and how awesome that she is spreading the word about this, right? Yes, it's amazing. I'm so happy that she is using her huge platform to talk about postpartum in pregnancy mental health too, because it's so needed and she has such reach. I love when I see celebrities who attach themselves to an awesome cause because they do have a platform and I love seeing people use Using it for good. So let's talk about motherhood understood because here's the thing. Every time I see it, I always do a double take because I used to have a blog called Motherhood Uncensored. So I want to know how did you come up with the name? So I started all of this in the beginning of 2016 as a blog, just a blog called The Medicated Mommy. Um, and I didn't know what it was going to look like. I just wanted to share my story because at that time I didn't feel like anyone was really sharing their story. And it kind of took off. And about a year and a half ago, it needed to be more than a blog. I wanted to really create a huge platform and community. And the Medicated Mommy, it's who I am. 
but it seemed too small. And what I really believe is that what moms want and crave at the end of the day is to be seen, heard and understood, especially when they're suffering emotionally. They just want someone to say, hey, mama, I get it. I've been there. They just want empathy. And so that's kind of where the understood part came in. And then I liked that it almost looked like it rhymes with motherhood, like the two words together. It just clicked. You know, when I saw it, I immediately understood, no pun intended, what it was all about. And that might have been because I knew you and I had spoken to you about your story. But, you know, I mean, I get medicated mommy. It's like a very sexy name. Like it gets attention. Like I think of my friend Jill Krauss, who has uh, formerly known as Baby Rabies. Like they're great. They're really attention getting. But I really agree with you in that it certainly broadens the audience of who you might bring in because maybe some people aren't on medication. Maybe they need to have medication and they don't know it yet. And it might be intimidating. So I love that you took a step back. I think that's hard to do sometimes for people is to take a step back and be like, you know, I want to change this and broaden this so that I can reach more people. So that's exciting. Thank you. All right. So talk a little bit about what happened. Now, I don't know if it was after you had your son or while you were pregnant with your son, but whatever happened during that time, talk about what was the impetus for this community that you've created. So when I was pregnant, and I'm sure like so many other women, I had this vision of what motherhood would look like for me. And I call it my Cinderella moment where I would transform you know, into this magical domestic goddess, Pinterest mom, loving every minute, loving my baby, taking him everywhere, breastfeeding like a champion. Um, and then I had my baby mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was nothing like that. That Cinderella moment never came. And instead, I was faced with paralyzing anxiety, tears I couldn't stop, having visions of wanting to hurt myself so I could go back to the hospital and not take care of a baby and not Mm. be a mom. And I found myself barely leaving the house for six months and less forced to going on antidepressants for the first time ever and going to a therapist weekly and a psychiatrist almost biweekly for the whole first year of motherhood. And I really felt completely alone. I thought my story was unique. I really believed that I was the only person on the planet suffering Mm -hmm. because I didn't know anyone personally who had a postpartum mood disorder. And I didn't know anyone who I didn't know, but followed on social media. I never saw anybody talk about it. I didn't know it was common. I didn't know that there were almost millions of moms every year that suffer like I did. And I promised myself that when I got better in some way, I would share my story. Mm. And when I say share my story, I meant the raw, intimate details, exactly what was in my head, exactly what it took to get the right help, every single thing I went through, because I couldn't find those details. And I didn't want any other mom to suffer or go through what I went through, or at least be as unprepared and uneducated about you know maternal mental health as I was. So that's what led me to start the blog and then ultimately turn that into Motherhood Understood, which is now grown into a huge online platform and community for moms. Well, it's so interesting that you say that because I think back when, now how old's your son? He's six. Okay. You know, my oldest is almost 15. And I know back then even 
the only thing that we really knew about postpartum depression was that you basically either wanted to kill yourself or the baby. And the only thing that we had in our mind were all the women that had done so, right, and had made national news. Right. Like, that was really all we knew about postpartum depression. And even now, there still isn't a great understanding because there's so much nuance to it. And I know you're not a medical expert. I just want to put that out there because you're not giving medical advice. You're talking about your own personal experience and what you've done in terms of your own research and sharing your own story. But can you talk about the nuance of maternal mental health? Because saying PPD, like when we say postpartum depression, there's so many different facets to it, right? It's not just depression. There's anxiety. There are other things. Can you talk about that? Right. It's not simple. And I'm not a medical professional. I am actually in the middle of getting my certification from Postpartum Support International. Oh, great. So I do have that education piece. But yeah, so even when I had Mason six years ago, I didn't think I had postpartum depression because I didn't want to take my life. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to harm myself or my baby. But that's not even postpartum depression. That's postpartum psychosis. And it's another postpartum mood disorder. Mm -hmm. It's actually the rarest of all of them. It affects about one in every one to 2,000 moms. That's what we see on the news but they're labeling it as postpartum depression. They're not calling it psychosis. So it's really confusing when it happens to us, but we don't have those symptoms. But it is, it's really hard because maternal mental health, and I think they're calling it perinatal mood disorders now, is an umbrella. And postpartum depression is only one type of mood disorder. You have postpartum anxiety, postpartum bipolar, postpartum PTSD, postpartum OCD, and postpartum psychosis. And they're all different. And the problem is, is that within all of them, they're different for every woman. So it's hard to diagnose it. Every woman needs a different type of treatment. And it's completely different than a regular mental health disorder or regular depression. It's a completely different animal. So it's complicated. From everyone that I've spoken to that has had some form of it, every single woman has different symptoms. I think that must be so challenging. Also, I think motherhood, especially new motherhood, can be very isolating. And like you said, you had that Cinderella story in your head. And I know for me, like I had a similar whatever it was, whether it was my mom, I blame society, like because of all the images we see. And it's like all these blissful new moms. But whatever it was I had in my head, like I was quitting my job. I was going to stay home. Right. And when that did not work, I think it's so hard when you're in that place, you're overrun with hormones and then you have to shift your whole experience. And I don't know about you, but for me, I felt clueless and helpless. Like I was such an accomplished person in my professional and personal life. And when I had a baby, I just felt stupid. Right. Like she wouldn't stop crying. She wouldn't sleep. And I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like I felt like I wasn't doing a good job. And I'm actually really glad that you brought that up because I I'm the same way as you and a lot of women that I have met through this work and talked to even become good friends with are similar. And what they don't tell you is that postpartum depression or any perinatal mood disorder, women like us who are very type A high functioning women, mm-hmm. you know, we've had a lot of success you know, we haven't had a lot of rejection. We have these big careers. I was a teacher. I was very organized. We're really some of the women who are at the highest risk for this. Interesting. And they don't tell you that because like you said, you were really successful in your life, but then you have a baby (laughs) and everything that you did before that, 
all the coping mechanisms, all the things. Yes. They don't work for a baby. So I remember sitting in my therapist's office saying to me, Jen, you just had a baby. You can't go organize your closet or make a spreadsheet or kill it at a presentation. It doesn't work with a baby. So it's almost like you are becoming this new person and Mm -hmm. you're completely bare with no coping mechanisms. And it spirals. And for some of us, it spirals really into this major shift where we go into a state of depression or a state of anxiety. And we need more to get out of it, like medication and therapy. And that was definitely my story also. Almost like a huge identity crisis in a way. That's such a great way of putting it. You know, I was not surrounded by moms. Like I had babysat a lot. I worked with children with autism for many years. So I I was around children a lot. But it's very different when you have your own children. And I was sort of a recipe for disaster. I was far away from home. I had no support system. I had no friends who had kids. And actually, that's why I started my blog is because I was like, I need to tell my story to help out moms out there who are going to be shocked by this whole experience. Do you find that's why women aren't getting help? Like, what are the biggest roadblocks? Because I've thought about this a lot. And I'm thinking, is it because women don't understand the symptoms? Is it because partners and spouses don't know? Is it that the doctors and midwives aren't aware of how much the diagnosis has expanded over the years? Like, what have you seen in the stories that you've shared and in your own personal experience? So it's such a layered issue. And I actually just got back from Congress at D.C. where this was a huge topic discussed because there were people there who have lost their wives and daughters to taking their own lives Mm. from maternal mental health disorders. And it's so layered. On one hand, the medical professional community, OBs, pediatricians, psychiatrists, they're not always educated in maternal mental health, and they don't know what to do with a woman who is suffering. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of offices and practices where it's getting better, but a lot of times what will happen is an OB will say, you need to go see the psychiatrist. It's a psychiatrist problem. And then the psychiatrist will say, well, you need to go see your OB. This is an OB problem. Oh, geez. And you get bounced back and forth, and screening is an issue too. Mm -hmm. We are not screening women, and they're trying to make recommendations and have screening take place during pregnancy, right after pregnancy, and through the first year postpartum. But another problem with screening is, so you screen and the woman comes back high risk. Well, what do I do with them now? Where do I send them? That's a great point. Right? So there's a lot that needs to happen as far as the maternal care that we're giving women. You know, for example, I was at Mom Congress and one of the men there is Stephen D. Achilles, who is the founder of the center that Chrissy Teigen has been promoting. Got it. And his wife had her baby a few months after Mason, and she ended up taking her own life about 46 days postpartum. Wow. And she went to seven doctors in seven Ugh. days. She wasn't silent. She did not suffer in silence. She was vocal. And she was bounced from doctor to doctor to doctor. She even had an OB who told her that maybe she should go back on birth control because she's not cut out to be a mom. Oh my God. Right. And these things happen and she ended up taking her own life. So there's that side of the medical professional community where we need so much more education. We need regulations and protocol for these things. But then you also have the side of the stigma and shame, which is preventing 
women from speaking up in the first place. And one of the things that I learned in the first session of my certificate training, and it was so profound, and I actually posted on Instagram this week, and it really resonated, is that women don't know. They don't actually know they're depressed or anxious. Yes. Because they don't know it's a thing, and so they feel like they're failing. Yes. Amen. Right? And because (laughs) of that, they think everyone else is succeeding and loving motherhood, and so they're not speaking up. It's such a layered issue. And then you also have different communities and cultures. So for example, African-American women are at a 34% higher risk of developing a maternal mental health disorder, but they're also less likely to seek help because mental health is very stigmatized in their community. You have the view of, I'm just going to, I push through it, right? Right, You get over it, you move on. It's such a layered issue. There are so many barriers to getting help from not knowing that this is an actual thing to what to do after you do know. Well, and I feel like once again, we are responsible for advocating for ourselves, which, okay, that's awesome, but also tiresome, you know, that we have to go in and know that we're having issues, right? (laughs) which is like, okay, it's good to know yourself, but we're all, we're exhausted. We're caring for another tiny baby. Like, why do we have to be the ones? Why can't we just say, you know, I'm feeling like I need to do the laundry four times a day. Like I'm feeling like I don't want my husband to touch the baby at all. Like if a medical professional heard that and might be like, hmm, that sounds like OCD or that sounds like anxiety. Like there's something going on here. I feel like it's so pervasive in the medical profession just in terms of, you know, listen, I love my doctor. I don't want to like dog like pediatricians and all like nurses love them. But I'm just saying that I feel like in many situations, women have such a hard time being heard in their needs. And in some cases they don't know, but like in, in this person's case, they did and they were bouncing around. And let's be honest, no one has time to go to seven doctors. No one right. has time to like make these appointments and go and be turned away. Right. Like, that's just not feasible. And, right. and we're talking about people of privilege, like people who don't live in a privileged situation. Like how can they take off work? How can they go and do all these things? It's very true. And that's yeah. the other barrier, right? Care that is accessible and affordable. And when I share my story, I always make sure to say that I'm one of the lucky ones because mm-hmm. my mom, who is a therapist, would stay with us. And my postpartum depression hit the day after I got home from the hospital. This is another reason why it's confusing. That's early. Usually it comes two to three months in or later. So it's super confusing. And my mom, as a clinician, and from seeing this, and working in the NICU during her clinical hours, she will tell you she saw the light behind my eyes go out. She saw it. She knew. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't always happen, no. right? And because of the medical practice I belong to down here, I got into a psychiatrist right away that would normally take at least three months. It's insane. Aetna has all of a sudden decided they're not covering my antidepressant right now. They covered it last year. And so we're paying out of pocket while we appeal. But that's <sighs> not the norm. No. And this type of care needs to be accessible unaffordable. And we're basically failing women in maternal care. And when we fail women, we fail babies and partners too, right? It's a mom issue, but it's also a family issue. Yeah. Well, I think that's important and not for nothing during this political tenor and what we're going through right now in terms of women's health in general. I think it's a great point that you bring up that when you don't take care of moms, you're not taking care of babies. You're not taking care of partners. And if you don't care enough about moms, like, 
like seems like people care a lot about babies. So how about that point of view? I love that approach. Um, Okay. So I personally experienced postpartum anxiety. I had no idea. I was actually a therapist. That's my background as well. And so I felt like I knew what postpartum depression was supposed to look like. I didn't feel depressed. And um, it turns out, based on all the things that I look back at now, I'm like, oh, I was anxious. I didn't know postpartum anxiety was a thing. I think it's more pervasive than we know. And I would love to hear from you just in terms of all the stories that you've shared on your site. Can you talk a bit about that and what you've heard or even in your own experience, how that manifests for people so that our listeners can really hear? Because I feel like we know the baby blues. We know the sadness and the fear and that kind of thing. But anxiety is very different. It is. And I had a combination of both. And again, it's not cut and dry. But the thing with postpartum depression is that it often presents itself as a more anxious, irritable depression. It's not a curled up in fetal position, crying all the time necessarily. And postpartum anxiety is its own diagnosis. We need to be talking more about it because that is tons and tons of intrusive thoughts, tons Mm -hmm. of thoughts all day long, right? You can't shut your mind off. You are always overthinking. And again, it manifests differently for everybody. You might not ever be able to put your baby down. You might not want anyone else to touch the baby. You might not be sleeping because you're up all night thinking, is my baby breathing? Is my baby breathing? I need to go in there. And it's not the norm. And that's the other thing. A lot of times you'll go to a doctor and you'll tell them this and they'll say, well, that's just new motherhood, right? All new moms are nervous. (sighs) Which is the worst. I know because you have the courage to say this and then you're shut down. And it's not that all new moms aren't nervous. We all think about, well, is my baby breathing? We all look at the monitor. But this is a lot more extensive than that. Mm -hmm. It's compulsive in a way. And postpartum OCD, which is similar, that is a little bit more of when you have the scary thoughts where you might see yourself hurting your baby or you have visions of things, but you're not in a psychotic state. You're not actually going to to act on them. Yeah. So for example, I know a NICU nurse who had postpartum OCD. So it is anxiety. It is intrusive thoughts all day long, but it's a little different. And she had her husband remove all the knives from the kitchen, right? That's how that manifested. Anxiety doesn't get to that point, but it is. It's the racing thoughts all day long. You cannot shut your mind off and you're exhausted, Yeah, but you can't sleep because you're so anxious. So my daughter, my oldest, who's now 14, had um, kind of protruding lymph nodes in her neck and it was just like she was really skinny and you could kind of feel them. They were like kind Mm -hmm. of pea-sized little bumps and I perseverated on that I remember I was Googling. I was convinced she had leukemia. Like I had convinced myself that she was very ill and it was just kind of cyclical. Mm -hmm. The cyclical thoughts, right? You're like, oh, here it is. Let me feel it. No, that can't be. Yes, it is. Let me Google. And it goes kind of around and around and Mm -hmm. around until you finally go to the pediatrician and the pediatrician tells you, no, it's fine. Or, you know, it's nothing to worry about. And then you find something else. I think back, this is a funny story now, but when my daughter was 18 months, we were living in Mississippi at the time. We were visiting relatives in Philadelphia. It was Christmas time and my daughter had never had a fever before and she had a fever. And we were like, what do we do? And it was like the classic new parent, like, right, she has a fever, take her. And so she kept pointing to like her private area for whatever reason. And I'm like, she has a UTI. So we were like frantically calling our doctor in Mississippi. And he's like, if you think it's an UTI, take her to the ER. So we, right. we were in the ER, December 23rd, sitting there, freaking out. The doctors were like, did you give her any Motrin? 
And we're like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And they were trying to get her to pee in a bag, like trying to get sterile urine from like an 18 month old was like impossible. And it was 100% my postpartum anxiety. It was not even possible that she could have just had a virus or a cold. Right. It was a UTI. We had to go to the ER. And now we can laugh at it, you know, 15 years later. But at the time, it seemed totally normal and feasible. Of course. And sometimes I wonder, and I do remember talking to my therapist about this is if all of us type A, high-functioning, successful women, if we really all have just lived with generalized anxiety disorder our whole life. Yes. But... Yes. The coping mechanisms and the way we do succeed, and we are all, I guess, I'm going to say like control freaks in some way, but all of that makes it manageable. We don't notice it, right? But when you have a baby or a child of any age, you can't manage it anymore because you really can't control any of it. I agree. There's a lack of control. Right. I do wonder if it's just that now our generalized anxiety disorder, we can't do anything about it. Well, and then the lack of sleep and the hormones, and then sometimes the partners who are clueless, you know, like there are a lot of factors. And I appreciate what you're doing. And I feel like the more that we can talk about this, the more women who share their stories and are able to do so in a supportive environment means that other women will know that like, this is hard. We've all struggled in our own ways. And I think what's interesting about your site, Jen, is that like, it kind of is juxtaposed with this whole like, I'm fabulous on Instagram, you know, like which, <laughs> which is so interesting. Like when we started Cool Mom Picks and when I started blogging, there was none of that. And so there were no fancy photos of us with our babies and there was not that pressure. So like you're growing this on a platform that is also perpetuating stereotypes and imagery that is challenging for women. So how do you navigate that? Like, what are your thoughts on that? So I feel like I'm the anti-Instagram account (laughs) in in a sense. When I started on Instagram and it took off really quickly, I felt like I was just determined to use memes to, instead of make light of motherhood or make fun of the ridiculous, absurd things our kids were doing, which are all all important. We right, we all need that. We all need the light side of this. But really to use the platform to be able to post vulnerable stories, photos, and quotes that get to those feelings underneath. Mm-hmm. And I also really wanted my platform to be 100% mom-centric. Yes. And it's a balance because I know a lot of younger Instagrammers, you know, and with the filters and the colors and the moods. And sometimes I wonder, should I be doing that in these photos? But the fact is, is that if I put a filter on anything, it's not real. It's a fine line, but I really just wanted to stay authentic, as authentic as I possibly could. And I know Instagram is more of a visual platform as far as photos and pictures, but I like to post these short little quotes, which are really just thoughts inside, whether they're thoughts I've had or other moms have had and said to me, because they really resonate and they're short and it's not a novel. And moms tend to go, oh my God, this is exactly how I feel. You nailed it. And so that's really what I'm trying to accomplish with Instagram. No, I love your feed because I get jolted every now and then with some of the things that you post. And it's interesting is like, well, like you, like we're out of the baby stage and some of that stuff is old. You know, it's not as present as it is, I imagine, for many of your followers and many of our listeners and, and readers on Cool Mom Picks as well. But I think we can all relate. I'm curious to know, what can people do to help 
this movement. And I say this especially for, well, I say it for women who are in in the weeds, right? But for those of us who are like, let's be honest, I don't care about binkies anymore, you know, like, which is great. Right. Like, Like, I love the cute diapers that they have now, but like, I don't care about those. So I think it can be hard to get people who are out of the baby stage to care about things that happen in that baby stage. How do you convince women, or do you even need to, that they need to get involved? And how can they? How can they help? I know it's hard when you're out of this. I think what you said, the way that you openly talked on this podcast just now about how you had postpartum anxiety all those years ago, I think it's really being open about your story, even if it was 12 years ago or 10 years ago, um, I get messages from 60-year-old women who talk about going through something similar to all of this, but they didn't know back then there was nothing available for them. So I really think that sharing stories and being honest about motherhood, no matter what stage you're in, is really helpful versus the comments of, well, it gets better or just you wait, you know, things like that. I think, too, if you are out of the weeds and you see, um, you know, a, a story or a post or a quote that resonates, share it. And really approach new moms with empathy. Um, Remember that you were there once and that it's really, really hard. And sometimes they just need a hands on their arm saying, hey, mama, you got this. You're doing a great job. So even if you're not necessarily joining the movement online or just out in the world, I mean, I was once in Starbucks. I think my son was maybe two and a half and he was having like his 18th meltdown of the day. Yes. Because we were in a Barnes and Noble Starbucks and he wanted to go up to the kids section and we had to leave. And I was just struggling. I spilled coffee on myself. And a mom who was sitting there with her daughter from college got up and came over to me and said, you see her? She used to do this all the time. You're doing a great job, mom. (sighs) That's so powerful. And she completely changed the trajectory of my day. Yeah. And I was actually in New Jersey a few weeks ago. And my mother-in-law told me that she was at a restaurant and that was happening to a young mom. And my mother-in-law is 62, you know, where her kids are grown. And she did something similar to that mom. And I said to her, I said, Debbie, you probably changed that whole mom's day. Yeah. So I really think it's just the support. And then the other thing, too, is if you are somebody who is into politics or, you know, your local representatives, there are pieces of legislation being proposed and going through right now, all having to do with maternal care. And we all should be. I mean, right? this affects all of us. We we have right. children, whether you have boys or girls, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, it's funny. We talk about politics on the show and every now and then we'll get someone who's like, oh, this is a parenting show. Why are you talking about politics? Right. Hey, guess what? Parenting and politics go hand in hand. This affects mothers. This affects children. Right. And so there are a lot of things coming up that are being proposed having to do with maternal mortality, maternal mental health care, all different things. My eyes were opened even wider this weekend from being at Mom Congress mm-hmm. because this is the first time I've really seen that side. Yes. Of this, yes. you know, from a lobbying standpoint, from a political standpoint. And we really are failing women and moms, which means we are failing the family unit. And so I think as an older mom, you know, just researching and being aware of the statistics and the data about these things is helpful. Yeah. Now you have a little more time and hopefully you're getting a little more sleep. So, you know, maybe you have more time to dedicate to a cause. And also I have to say that anytime anyone has ever helped me in a situation like that, I remember it forever. I was on a plane. I was breastfeeding. My daughter was giving me a hard time and a woman came up to me and I was sure she was going to shame me. And she was just like, that is so hard and it's so admirable what you're doing. And I was 
like, oh, thank right? you. Right. And she probably changed your whole mood at <laughs> totally. that moment. And I still remember it. I still right. remember it. And I don't know about you, but before I had kids, if there was a screaming baby behind me, I was eye rolling. Yes. You know, I was that <laughs> I was that asshole. And and now when yep. it happens, I want to just take the baby and yes. say, hey, mom, let me give you a break. Yep. You know, I want to take all these moms to my house, you know, and just hug them all and tell them that, you know, we'll get through this together. I think that's the other thing. It doesn't matter how old your kids are. We're all moms yes. and we have to share that. And that should be enough. And we're all in it together, I think, is what we really have to remember. I love that. I love that. Okay, so on that note, folks can find Jen um, at motherhood-understood.com. Your Instagram is growing rapidly. You have so much content over there. It's Motherhood Understood. You're on Facebook. You're on Twitter. You're everywhere. And folks can get involved, you know, just even simply following and liking and commenting. Um, and, and by the way, I think don't people think people realize this, but when you comment or you share a post, that's something that you can do. It's free. You're getting free content, but you're also helping content creators when you're doing that. You're actually spreading the word just simply by leaving a comment, by liking a post, by sharing it. So I hope that we can rally our listeners to get involved in this because I think it's so important. It's such an important cause. Thank you. And I do just want to say too that we do have some really powerful content up right now. May is Maternal Mental Health Awareness Month. Ah. And so last week, we just got out of Maternal Mental Health Awareness Week, and we had, you know, two really exciting campaigns going on, but they're continuing. And the content this month is specifically around maternal mental health. Some of it's triggering, but it's very powerful. So it's definitely a great time to join the platform, follow, like, and engage. And also, if you have a story, there is a submit your story button on our website, and we share a mom's story on Instagram and on the site every week. That's amazing. And we will link up the website and the social over on our Cool Mom Picks podcast page. All right, we'll be right back with our Cool Picks of the Week after this. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about a fabulous new gadget we have in our house. And it just so happens to be our sponsor, Hack. They make the only full-stack everyday laptop that teaches kids how to code by inviting them to hack. So you know, we have this site called coolmomtech.com and one of the most popular questions we get is, what's the best first laptop for kids? Okay, so maybe people don't sound like an old grandma when they ask us, but that's a question we get all the time. So it's great when we have a sponsor who makes an amazing product that we can stand behind. And I know this because my son, who's 12 and he's going into middle school and needs a laptop, has been using the Hack laptop. So a few things you need to know. First of all, it's safe, it's ad-free, and it's virus-resistant. It's got all the good stuff that you want on a laptop, but comes with hackable games and solve quests that are led by historically inspired hack characters. New games are released monthly, and the first six months of content are free. Let me add that this is a very affordable laptop. Think of it like you're getting your kid an awesome first laptop that, by the way, does have parental controls because Hack has thought of everything, but also it's going to teach your kids how to code. And I have to be honest, when I told my son that he was going to learn how to hack, he thought I was truly the coolest mom ever. 
I finally have lived up to the name of my website. Just so you know, they were named Best First Laptop by Parents Magazine, Best STEM Toy by Wired, and Best Birthday Gift for a 10-Year-Old by Best Products, if you should care about such things. And don't worry, no prior coding experience required. What's so cool is that Hack is offering Spawned listeners a very special deal. You can save $25 off the already affordable Hack laptop. If you go to hack-computer.com, use the code COOLMOM25, which will be applied at checkout, to save $25. Go to hack-computer.com. Use the code COOLMOM25 for $25 off and get your kid set up with a very cool first laptop, even if it's their second or their third. Guess what? They won't need another one when they've got the hack. Jen, it's time for... Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And you're our guest, so you get to go first. Awesome. So because it's Maternal Mental Health Awareness Month, my pick is a book that I just started by two women that I just love and think are so amazing. It's called What No One Tells You, A Guide to Your Emotions from Pregnancy to Motherhood. And it is by two amazing reproductive psychiatrists, Dr. Alexandra Sachs and Dr. Catherine Berndorf. Catherine Berndorf runs the Motherhood Center in New York City. And Alexandra Sachs is also a doctor in New York who coined the term matrescence. And she writes for the New York Times a lot. And I feel like it's the book that you need to read, not just what to expect, what you're expecting, but it's the emotions, right? Nobody ever says, hey, mom, are you okay? How are you feeling? And this is all about the emotions. I love a good book recommendation. And you know, we actually just started a Cool Mom Picks virtual book club. We are reading parenting-related books all year long. And folks can go over to Cool Mom Picks and get more information. But we might have to read this book because it sounds awesome. And we're trying, you know, our first book is Under Pressure by Lisa Damore. And that's Mm -hmm. really aimed at teenage girls. But we're trying to make sure we're inclusive and know that, you know, some parents might not be there just yet. Some parents might be in the new baby stage or pregnant. So I love this suggestion. Yes, I could email you a whole list. My other favorite is How to Have a Baby and Not Hate Your Husband by Jan C. Dunn. There's so (sighs) many, right? There's so many. Yes. I love that you're doing that. I think that's amazing. And yeah, I love fiction, but I feel like the parenting Mm -hmm. books are kind of what I need right now. So I love this. Well, thank you for that recommendation. We will look it up on our podcast page. Okay, so my cool pick of the week is something called Virago Fitness. I just learned about this over on actually another podcast that I host. It's called Real Women, Real Stories from the founders of One Tough Bee. And okay, so Brittany Hogan was a military wife. She lost her husband in Afghanistan. He was supposed to come home. He was only there for one more month. And she coped in a not so great way. She's like, I basically drank all the time, which I love her honesty. And she said that eventually someone was able to rally her, took her out on a run, and she found found a safe haven in fitness. And so what she decided, this is amazing. She created a nonprofit and they have fitness wear. So like inspiring t-shirts, they have like sort of your fitness wear basics, really adorable, like capris and slouchy shirts. And the profits support people in need who cannot otherwise get access to fitness classes. She found that fitness was so therapeutic and helpful for her during a time of trauma and difficulty in her life. So she's giving back. So if you buy fitness wear and hi, isn't that like 
like the mom uniform. <laughs> I love <laughs> it. Right. Even if you don't work out at the gym, you wear this stuff every day. Uh-huh. Go there because why not get your fitness wear from someone who is giving back? And it's not just a percentage. Like I know a lot of places who that's awesome. They give like 5% or 10%. This is a nonprofit that really does amazing good. So that's Virago Fitness. And again, we will link all of these up over on our podcast page. And okay, so favorite podcasts other than Spawn, Jen, do you have any favorite podcasts that you listen to on a regular basis or that you've heard that you love? Because we have a new feature, no pressure, because I have a cool podcast of the week, but I didn't know if you had any that you've been loving lately. Um, God, there's so many, but I really do love Marriage and Martinis. Okay, good. They're a great one. I just love that it's a married couple who was struggling in their marriage and oh. they launched the podcast to I- help. I don't even know about that one. So I and love it. funny. So I've been a guest on it, but they just talk about really great real issues, you know, about parenting and marriage. Okay, perfect. See, I feel like it's always great to give a shout out to other podcasts because that's how people find them. Um, my cool podcast of the week is something called The Midlife Mixtape. And Ooh. the host is Nancy Davis Coe, who was also at Mom 2.0 and who I connected with kind of like you, Jen, for like five seconds in the lunch line. <laughs> <laughs> right. But Midlife Mixtape is a podcast that celebrates Gen Xers at Midlife, and she uses humor and heart and, you know, of course, a really good beat. If you know Nancy, her website is midlifemixtape.com. And what she does on the podcast is she interviews fellow Gen Xers and learns about how they're thriving in the years between being hip and, uh, this is funny, and breaking one. And wow, her past guests have been the original MTV V. DJ Martha Quinn, Outdoor Afro founder Rue Mapp, the Go-Go's bassist Kathy Valentine, who was also on my panel at Mom 2.0. So, wow, this is awesome. You can subscribe to Midlife Mixtape on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. So if you're looking for something fun and new to listen to, check it out. It's called Midlife Mixtape. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Thanks to our guest, Jen Schwartz of Motherhood Understood. And a huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. We love hearing from you. Please, please, please take a second. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes and make sure to subscribe. In fact, you can do that right now along with subscribing to Midlife Mixtape. And be sure to download our episodes. You know what? Full disclosure, I forgot to download our episodes. What? I'm a terrible podcaster. It actually does help other people find our podcast. And it helps us keep this podcast going because we get some really awesome sponsors. Have you joined our Spawn podcast community on Facebook? You can find it through the link on our podcast page or just by searching Spawn podcast community. I know, very clever. On Facebook, we would love to have you join us to chat about everything we talk about here and well, anything else you want to chat about. I think recently Kristen was asking questions about how to challenge her daughter in math and Liz was sharing her favorite lipstick just to give you a little idea of what's going on over there. And you know what? Be a good friend. Be a good family member. Tell someone this week about Spawn. That would really help us out and we would really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. Liz will be back next week. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.